0: Welcome to the Total Sucker Show. My name is Daryl Grove, and I'm joined by a man who always had faith in English teams. Wow. His name is Taylor Rockwell. I didn't.
1: I don't regret it, because I didn't see either one of these coming, and I don't think a lot of people did. But I certainly didn't see this one coming the way the first half went.
0: Exactly. Yeah, so you could have guessed maybe Spurs would win this before the match. Mm Mm-hmm. You would not have guessed it at halftime when they were, what, 2-0 down on the night?
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, if we want to go into this really quickly, because, yes yeah, Spur- 3 nil in aggregate? Yeah Spurs-, yeah. Spurs end up getting the results uh, with the, what, 3 thrown aggregate, but they go through away goals. Mm-hmm. That seems to have annoyed people, as away goals always do, but that's the way it works.
0: But- but- we, we all knew the rules going mm-hmm.
1: in. But I think <laughs> leaving, like, heading out of our coverage of the first leg, I-, I think I was a little bit more optimistic. I'm not saying than you, I think than a lot of people, because I was saying... Yeah, that, I can't like, remember how I felt. I thought that uh, Son Heung-min coming back and a combination of Son and Lucas Mora would be a bit more energetic, a bit more electrifying. Yes. I think they would cause problems for Ajax. Yep. Then Because
0: this... first leg we thought Fernando Llorente starting up front mm-hmm. was too slow. It was all a bit placid. Yeah. It didn't offer a cutting edge. And then this
1: weekend I, with Ryan Bailey, like I usually don't do, outside of like when we do our specific predictions, we kind of don't ever do the, like, I think this is going to happen. I think this team's is going to win. And I really, just with the way... Tottenham looked, I, I forget, I think it was like angry and frustrated or something like that. That like They just seemed completely out of sorts, and I thought, I don't see how I see them... Is it get- they,
0: had, they had a rough weekend against Bournemouth with the nine men and all but,
1: that. But like, in that game, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I see. They looked completely like frustrated at all times, they were mad, they were shoving, they were yelling at each other. It just felt like a team that had kind of felt like, we've lost it and this is it. And I really didn't see how they got back into this. And that's really how the first half went. It was kind of yep. my fears confirmed of, they go 2-0 <laughs> no down, they look like they have no chance, they completely were outplayed, yep. and then it changes at halftime, and I was pretty shocked.
0: Once again, I feel like this is the third time we've said this Mm -hmm. in the Champions League. Mauricio Pochettino changed things up, changed the approach. um, Mm Halftime in this game, it was earlier in the Man City game, and really rescued it uh, for his team. We'll get into the specifics of what he did. Maybe we'll do this chronologically, and we'll get into the specifics of what he did when it makes sense chronologically. Let's talk about uh, Pochettino's starting lineup. It was, we think, going back and rewatching... 4-2-3-1, 4-2-3-1, yep. with Lucas Moura as your centre-forward, Deli underneath, Son on the left, Ericsson on the right, uh, Sissoko and Muenyama in defensive midfield. And I think, weirdly, that makes sense.
1: Uh, I, I think I think it makes sense to some extent. I really thought we would see a front two almost yeah. of Lucas Moura and Son Heung-min. Like Man. a split
0: two who would yeah. like run the channels and yeah, threaten with pace? Or yeah. even
1: just like combine through the middle and it'd be like quick combinations that uh-huh. they could hit on the break with Zelaya Ali kind of patrolling behind, Christian Eriksen spreading balls. All of that made sense to me. So actually I was kind of surprised to see Lucas yeah. Moura up there by himself because it felt like Ajax were always going to do that kind of high pressure, high intensity system. Yeah. So then you're at best looking for long balls, over the top from Lucas Moura from deep yeah. and that's not really going to favor him.
0: I think Spurs were thinking maybe the way that I stretched the mm-hmm. game that there'd be gaps to just like spring Moura with like uh through balls on the floor, kind mm-hmm. of. Maybe they were imagining sort of Ericsson to Ali and then a quick through ball and, and uh, Lucas Moura's in behind or Sons yep. helping out. Like that made sense to me, but it absolutely did not happen.
1: No. I mean, and, and I think. In it, the first half. It was exemplified for me in the final few minutes of the first half that like ball goes out of bounds, it's going to be a throw for Ajax, and I think like Sissoko like bodies somebody, like like deliberately runs into somebody, and Wanyama's walking away, not even paying attention. And those two. Not Wanyama's best game. It looked like both of them were just sort of checked out. And like I, I said to you at halftime, like, do you think we see Wanyama get a red card in this one? Because He's just started to look annoyed. He had like the kind of two-foot almost stamp yeah. there at the end of the half, and it just felt like
0: things— <laughs> He got a managerial red card. He did.
1: <laughs> but that's what I mean. Is like It felt like what we saw from Bournemouth, or what we saw against Bournemouth. It yeah. felt like sort of frustration boiling over, some stupid challenges, looking a little bit overmatched. And that was kind of a case for the entire first half, and I think it was the aggression from Ajax and how hard they pressed. And then I think the other aspect was we saw, again, the almost like— Sort of suicidal press that we saw from Liverpool against Barcelona. They yeah. like we have got to make a play on the ball no matter what. There's got to be a deflection. You've got to at least put it out for a throw-in if you're Ajax, and that really did work for the entire
0: first half. It really did. Um, it doesn't hurt to get a goal in the fifth minute. It does not. Um, so it's Matisse Delite mm-hmm. once again, scoring with his head from a corner kick. But I think it's really important to note why this corner kick happened, and I, I think don't this get it, goes man. to Spurs' mental state. It,
1: this is, uh, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's, it's basically what? It's a shot from Dusan Tadic. It's blocked. Or, excuse me, it's saved. It's deflected and then saved Tripier, by Hugo Lloris. Yeah, Trippier
0: deflection. Louis with a wonderful oh, parry right? save, yeah, and
1: then. Danny Rose has at least enough time to put this out for a throw in, but I think more likely he has time to settle
0: and turn and then kind of dribble into space a little bit. We double check, this is no one else around him, right? He could have let it run past him and then he's got the ball in front of him and he's going down the left wing. And I think it's indicative
1: of how overwhelmed they Tottenham felt in those first couple minutes that I think Danny Rose just assumed somebody's gonna be pressuring me, I'm just putting this out for a quarter. Or
0: safety first, snuff it out, Uh, knock it behind. And you can
1: tell that he's frustrated with himself because he kinda passes it out of bounds, it goes off the advertisement and comes back. Towards him, and then in that kind of moment, he looks behind and realizes how much time he had, and then he kicks it again into the crowd. Yeah. Not like maliciously, not a, style. Yeah, not quite that uh, <laughs> deliberate. Like not not quite that trajectory. Yeah, but yeah, definitely a moment of like, oh, I have made a mistake. Yep, and then that mistake ends up costing.
0: <laughs> Arrested Development
1: style. Yes, a huge <laughs> mistake. Not that huge
0: because things work out in the end. But yep. for a moment, it seemed pretty big. All right, so it's Ajax's mm-hmm. corner kick. It is Matěstejlič yep. scores it. On first viewing, I was definitely of the opinion that Spurs had made a huge error, another huge mistake, Mm -hmm. by having Kieran Trippier... Mark Matthias Delete because it's just a size mismatch, right? Yeah. This uh, is what Trippier is five foot ten. I think uh, Delete is at least six foot mm-hmm. um, and really powerful in the air. So it seemed like an absolute mismatch. We have to give credit where it's due. Uh, in the TNT studio, mm-hmm. in the BR Live studio, depending on how you watched it, yeah, um, it's both, right? It's double branded. Uh, they actually did a really good job of breaking down this corner and pointing out the screen that Donny van der Beek puts on Jan Vertongen, who was the real marker. Of, yeah. of Matthias Delete, they essentially double marked him, like Trippier yeah. to block him originally, uh, Vertonghen to actually pick him up later. And I
1: think Trippier is supposed to basically shove, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, shove him so that like uh, Delete, so that it kind of throws him off a little bit. So and he, hands all over. Him, and right? he does that in the beginning, but then the, the corner doesn't come in in like the moment when Trippier gets the shove in. Yeah. But what does happen is the referee is right there, so when they kind of reset for a moment, there's definitely a little bit of a like, hey, hands off, because you can see Trippier do the like, oh, I'm not pushing, I'm not pushing. Yeah, yeah. And then the ball comes. And in. then
0: he, he's trying to go like nipples to nipples, yeah. right? Yeah, it's it right, does Against him. Yeah. And the yeah. just goes one direction.
1: Trippier can't catch him. In fact, like that's the first time we've ever said nipple on this show. Oh, I know. Yes. Yeah. And so then Trippier is basically left for dust, uh, left <laughs> in the dust or for dust, whatever. Uh, and then, yeah, Vertonghen is clearly supposed to pick up the but he cannot because Dani Van de Beek has stepped across. There was some debate in the TNT studio. I'm calling it the TNT studio. <laughs> um, as to whether or not this would have been Although a I like that. It just sounds
0: like it's loaded with dynamite. Yes.
1: <laughs> and it kind of was. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, Tim Howard says this is definitely a foul. Uh, Stu Holden disagrees. Yeah. I do it wonder if that's, in the middle. I think it's like—is is that the like? midfielder who attacks versus goalkeeper who defends yeah. sort of a uh,
0: different I think it is Cause, that
1: cuz I would say a thing that also makes it hard to tell is because Van Der Beek definitely backs into Vertonghen and it would be different if he was just trying to like back in and back in and stop Vertonghen from moving but basically before either one of them can move forward I think Vertonghen has no idea that this screen is happening so they get a tangle of legs they both fall down yeah. and so there's no way to tell if they were both going to try to make a play on the ball and I think that's where the referee has to kind of say like eh I see why maybe Spurs feel aggrieved yeah. but you can't say Oh no, he was just like tackled off the ball and that let the leak to be wide open. Yep. And that's that's where I think there's gray area. That's why I would not have called it a penalty. And or so, a foul, rather.
0: And so it's it's a good sort of set piece setup uh from Ajax, it right? Donny a- van der Beek did his job. But here's
1: the thing that we have you and I haven't talked about at all. I still think like forgive me for the harsh language, but like that's I feel like that's a dumb approach to corners, is like have one person man mark the person, but when the d- attacker gets beyond him. There's another person waiting. Like, yeah, it, you've
0: added a layer of confusion that maybe mm-hmm. doesn't need to be there. Maybe just Fatonga marks him to begin with yeah. and just stays with him. Uh, that makes more sense to me yeah. because
1: there's a huge scrum in there. It's not as though, like, okay, we've got our first wave of defense, and then if he gets by, we've got a second yeah. wave. It's sort of as like, we've got our first wave of defense, and if the attacker gets by that, hopefully our second wave is, is it, still there and hasn't been knocked all around and lost is uh, it, uh, focus.
0: Was it delete the scores against Spurs in the first leg? Uh, yeah, it, I think so. Uh, or is this a different—it uh, might have been against Real Madrid. I can It might have been against Real Madrid. There's delete. With um, a header where he's marked by someone, but he uses the scrum as a screen for his marker Mm -hmm. and goes around the other side and loses him that way. Do you remember that? So maybe Spurs are thinking... um, I think that
1: was against Madrid. It was against
0: Madrid, right? But maybe they're thinking, okay, this is the thing I actually do. This is the Mm -hmm. thing that Matias de does. Here's our solution to it is... You think you're going to lose the first guy, but we've got a secret second guy who's going to get you. Yeah. And they just screened the second guy as well. Yeah, how'd that (laughs) work (laughs) out? Not so well. Exactly. Not so well. Um, Quick note, we don't normally sort of talk about the TV coverage, Mm -hmm. but I think it is worth highlighting that in the TNT studio, Mm -hmm. this was good analysis. This is what I want at halftime of soccer games, is pointing out things that I haven't seen. Mm -hmm. I think we would have caught it on the rewatch because we obsessively rewatched, but I I enjoyed learning it at halftime in the moment. I think we, yeah. would have,
1: we would have caught it if only because we were both so confused why Trippier is yeah. calling for a foul when he clearly isn't fouled. I'd have
0: watched it 500 times to get the answer. <laughs> yeah, now
1: yeah. it makes more sense. <laughs> so that puts Ajax up 1-0, and I do think that it happening so quickly, mm-hmm. I think Spurs are a little bit rattled, and it's not to say that then Ajax are all over them and get another one really quickly, but I think it is Spurs sort of shrinking off a little bit, backing off a little bit because yeah. we can't concede another one, we're really scared, this isn't working the way we thought it was going to work, and I think that extends to Ajax again continuing to apply pressure, continuing to get opportunities, and kind of forcing Spurs into long balls for Lucas Mora, who's probably not going to win them against Daily yep. brundt or De or whomever else is kind of shadowing him. And does Ajax's
0: second goal start with an attempt to maybe play more in behind? I know it's sort of a, a low longish ball that doesn't get to him.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I think it's 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 that and then it's Ajax just being very aggressive to make sure they win the ball back because I think it's uh oh no, that comes later, the the kind of scrap between Tadic and Trippier. But it's basically I think Daily Blint plays the long ball forward, it kinda comes back around or they're able to win it back, Ajax, and then they cycle it around. And it's just sort of again, this is Ajax being very quick and very smart, but it's also kind of out battling Spurs at the same time. It's not just them being technically precise, it's also them being yeah. sort of physical when they need to
0: be. This goal is the uh- It starts with, um, or at least in the build up, it's Mm -hmm. Tadic backing into Kieran Trippier and going with the sort of, I think the back of his head hits Trippier, which like shakes Trippier for a second. And doesn't Tadic just like high foot it, like knock the ball down the line? Then there's a bit of a mix up between, because Trippier gets a half tackle in. Then I think he sort of, when Yama comes over to help and Wanyama and Trippier bang into each other and then Ajax are away. I
1: think honestly because of how intense Ajax have been in their press, I think Trippier thinks that that is an Ajax player and that's why he tries to take a touch away and ends up I think megging Wanyama because yeah. he doesn't realize that Wanyama's there to help and is his teammate mm-hmm. and then suddenly the two kind of smack into each other but the ball's been played and Ajax are able to break very quickly. Confusion reigns supreme. Yeah, Donovan I think picks it up, uh, drives in, plays it wide to Dusan Tadic, Tadic centers it for uh, Hakam Ziyeh who has a great shot? Does, far side netting, lovely taken. He's also
0: tragically unmarked from a Spurs yes. perspective. Um, I think everyone's kind of just panicking a little bit here.
1: I mean, yes, that is definitely true. I hesitate to say that because we've kind of harped on him already, but I think another huge deficiency for Tottenham in this game was Victor Wanyama. He was routinely yes. a problem. He that was he, ball chasing, wasn't yeah, he? In this go- yeah. And in this goal, he basically. After the collision with Trippier, he's able to kind of get back into defensive shape. He hustles back, but he's completely focused on the ball the entire time. Ziech basically runs past him, and only when Ziyech is about to shoot, I think, does he realize, "Ooh, that's the guy that I should probably be marking."
0: <laughs> it's a lovely strike mm-hmm. from Ziech, right? Left-footed, across his own body, uh, bending away from your east into the far corner. Two nil. What ten minutes before halftime? Yeah, I mean, and
1: and it could have been worse. I think there were there were many other uh, good chances for Ajax. They weren't able to take cleanly. I think Spurs did an okay job to kind of circle the wagons. yeah, make it to <laughs> half time because it really was like we saw Son Heung-min uh like on the right, on the left, come central and no none of those little adjustments were really working. So mm-hmm. it definitely meant he kept
0: getting stuck, right? He would dribble at people yeah. and like uh, uh Mazrahi mm-hmm. um, or Blint or or uh, Fico would just be nope. Get in the way, yeah. stick him, and away we go.
1: And I think if this game ends up differently, if, if Ajax are able to hold on or like nothing changes in the second half, then I think it's, it's the way it works. We kind of look at this as, should Pochettino have made a change sooner? Because... Mm-hmm. Like, things clearly weren't working. Trippier looked like he had a bit of an injury. one Yama appeared to have an injury, he was Olympic at the end of the game in the celebrations. And I wonder, like, should they have made a change in the 30th minute or something like that so mm-hmm. that the second goal doesn't happen? Yep. Instead, he kind of sticks with it, makes a few little adjustments, and then holds on until halftime, albeit 2-0 down. Yep. And that's when I have to believe he gives the most motivational speech in a locker room since, like, any given Sunday. <laughs> I'd
0: like to know what it was. Yeah. But there's also a tactical switcher, which we'll get to in a minute. I honestly think, in terms of adjusting mid-game to solve the problems that he sees, mm-hmm. Mauricio Pochettino is a tactical genius. Yes. Um, if he was in the insurance game, he would be... I was wondering if you are going to link it. A policy genius. He. Today's show is sponsored... <laughs> By Policy Genius. Mm-hmm.
1: It's spring. It, it is. certainly is. There's many, many showers happening in Richmond. That usually <laughs> is indicative of spring. The time of year when seeds grow into flowers and you grow up financially, at least your family needs protection if something happens to you. And that means you need life insurance.
0: Policy Genius has a way to get that financial security mm-hmm. for you without the growing pains. Mm-hmm. I've been to their website, policygenius.com, and I understand what they're talking about. What are they talking about, Mr. Grove? They are talking about sort of walking you through it. Mm-hmm. It's a really easy way to buy life insurance online first of all here's what i love you go to policy and uh w- when she gets started they ask do you want us to walk you through this like a child mm-hmm. which some people do appreciate on the internet or would you rather do it yourself and i really love the two-track approach you're either going to get a lot of help and a lot of like live chat help and all that or we'll leave you to it we trust you to fill it in yourself and yeah those are two different tracks that i obviously lean more towards the latter i like to be left alone on the internet mm-hmm. um, but it's good that the other option is there
1: I would say it's definitely good that the other option is there because I am the opposite. I would much rather, when it comes to life insurance, I would yeah. rather make sure that I'm doing it right and filling in the, <laughs> the blanks the way they need to be filled in, yep. so it doesn't end up with them saying like, "Nope, nothing for you." <laughs> um, and I would say this was probably a good time for them to be an advertiser on the show because we had no interest in this game. We don't. Neither one of us is rooting like necess- like we're not fans of I- Ajax. We're not fans of Tottenham. I was kind of
0: happy either way. Either an English team in the Champions yep. League final and we guarantee an English winner, or this exciting Ajax team in the final. It's all good either way. But
1: I was pretty nervous. I feel like if you took my blood pressure or my (laughs) heart rate they were going to be pretty elevated and maybe it's you don't want you want the peace of mind knowing that you've got the life insurance policy there just in case uh, soccer eventually kills one of
0: us so here's how how it works Um, after giving you the two track Mm -hmm. option you, um, you put in your information um, you know, your age, your, your height, your weight, that kind of stuff. And then you say how much coverage you're looking for in terms of, you know, the, how much payout you want for your life insurance. Um, then you, they show you some rates of like how much this will cost you monthly. You choose the rate that you're willing to pay. Mm-hmm. And then it gives you all the options. So Policy Genius yeah. does not provide life insurance. They're sort of like a, an aggregator yep. of all the best life insurance policies. So you can compare or compare the quotes from the top insurers to find your best price all in one place.
1: Yeah, and it's not just uh, Simplifying Life Insurance. They also make it easy to compare and buy home insurance, auto insurance, and disability insurance. I do hope there's a feature that if you deny their like, help in the guided process and then you end up needing it and you go back, then there is that sort of patronizing like, hmm, you're back, huh? <laughs> so you did need help after all. I
0: really hope that that's true. Um, so next time you stop uh-huh. to smell the roses because it's spring, pull out your phone – or get on your laptop mm-hmm. and head to policygenius.com. Mm-hmm.
1: Policy, policy Genius, spring is here. Kick it off by nipping life insurance in the bud. <laughs> Lovely. Uh-huh. Thank you, Policy Genius, for sponsoring today's show. And let's hope Mauricio Pochettino did not stop and smell the rose, because I have to believe 45 minutes of sprinting around from Danny Rose, he probably didn't smell terrific.
0: <laughs> At halftime, uh-huh. whether he smelled Danny Rose or not, yeah. <laughs> he did uh, take the measure of his team and decide. This needs to change. Mm-hmm. And this is the big tactical change we're talking about. He went eeny, meeny, miny, Victor Wanyama. <laughs> <laughs> correct choice, yes. right? I, I know we're harping on him, but he really did have a bad game. Lots yes. of giving the ball away. Um, the sort of defensive midfieldering he was doing was was not good. He was kind of running all over the place and adding to the confusion. I were giving him the runaround. It was the correct cho- choice to take Victor yeah. Wanyama out and bring in Fernando Llorente. Here he comes. Yeah. But he didn't play defensive midfield. What they did, they put Urente as the centre-forward. and mm-hmm. essentially changed the shape to more of a 4-3-3, right? So it became Urente as the centre-centre-forward, mm-hmm. um, Son on the left, Lucas Moura on the right, and then sort of rotating midfield of Sissoko, Eriksen, Dele Alli... Mostly, Sissoko stayed home and did yep. did Victor Wanyama's job mm-hmm. much much better than Victor Wanyama has ever done it in his life. He did, yes, because he. <laughs> I take that back. There were a few years ago when Wanyama was effective. Yeah, sure, but in these in these past couple games,
1: uh, definitely Sissoko's is the one yeah. you want there. And it's sort of similar between Sissoko and Yorente. That they're both very strong. They're both like kind of good in like holding their position. And then I think like you saw a lot of Sissoko winning the ball and then either driving forward or playing it long to Yorente, mm-hmm. who then brings it down. And I think that connects was very important because now if you're Tottenham and you win that ball back you can at worst play it long play it central if and know pressed, yeah. that Llorente is basically going to be able to outwork Daley Blint who usually was matched up against or uh, Matthias De Ligt. and at the very least he's going to be mean able- by outwork? That I think basically the, the positioning he takes he does a very smart thing I think he only gets called on it once but he sort of takes up a natural position, but routinely it's like a yard further than he needs to be or a yard closer than he needs to be. And then he kind of backs up and backs up and backs mm. up. And I think the defender is beeping
0: noises he does. Yeah,
1: I mean, <laughs> that would be a little obvious, but maybe. <laughs> but I think the defender is so concerned about uh, like aggressively losing that challenge or being called for a foul for like a shove in the back that they back off a little bit. And that's because I was really confused. Why is Yurente able to get a touch to everything? Why is he never beaten in the air? Why doesn't anyone ever step in front? Mm-hmm. Part of that is because I had never step anybody in front, which I think was a problem that they never really rectified. There, yeah. there was no one there to kind of scoop up that ball when Yorente wasn't able to control it completely. But I think it's also that because he's backing up and kind of bodying a little bit, he's able to dictate the way that that like kind of uh, battle's going to go.
0: Yep. Because the defender, if you've never been in this situation, mm-hmm. if you're facing a really big forward, and I, I've been in this situation, there are some forwards who are so big and so good at using their body, you cannot get around them, right? If Daley Blint or Matthias Delita tried to like, Go round the left and try and get a foot around in front of urente mm-hmm. he 's going to adjust his body, use essentially his butt and his back to just block your progress, so he is always going to be the one yep. that is receiving the ball coming into him, and you are not you are not able to get in front of him and then the massive strength of Fernando urente is his touch in those situations yep. is excellent mm-hmm. whether it's a headed flick on which is often on target or he uses the chest and then a quick touch away like he's very good at either bringing it down or quickly laying it off or one then the other suddenly spurs have an option even when ajax are pressing they have this option they just go along to Urente and they know that rather than sun being wide left and Moro being wide right and ali running around in midfield they can almost cluster around him and know it's not gonna be a lucky knockdown he's gonna essentially yeah. bring it down and pass it to them at the top of the area and that's yeah. terrifying if you're out.
1: But but I would say but even like contrast that with the first half when like yeah if it's in a four-two-three-one with Mora being the sole one up top, he's not going to be able to do that. He's not. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have that physicality. So if you look long for Lucas Mora, it's either going to be maybe he gets a touch and takes it like down to the channel. Or more often than not, he kind of battles, and then you lose that ball. And so if you're a Tottenham midfielder, you're not going to go flying up the field. You're not going to be trying to counter-press as quickly as you can or get up there to support because there's a decent chance that ball is coming right back at you, and now you're caught out. When it's Fernando Llorente, he can bring that ball down, he can slow it up, and because now, yeah, he's got Mora and Son on either side of him, they're there to collect that ball, and now if you're Christian Eriksen or Dele Alli... Or Danny Rose, Kieran Trippier, you feel a little bit more confident charging forward yeah. because chances are you're going to be able to retain possession a little bit better.
0: My guess as well is yeah, Son and Mora they were on the wing sometimes, mm-hmm. but them coming inside to like get near to Urente, open space for Trippier down the right and Danny Rose down the left. I definitely think I saw them way more advanced in the second half than the first half. Yes, yes, I
1: agree with that, and that's where it goes back to, for me, Mauricio Pochettino being an incredible in-game manager, because mm-hmm. we talked about this with Liverpool from start to finish yesterday, that they believed, like, and I, and I, I tend yeah. to not enjoy the, like, they just wanted it more, they believed more, they believed in themselves, but I think... But it's part of the story, it's not the whole story, but it's
0: a huge part of the story. it's a
1: huge part of the story, because if you're Tottenham and you come out and Pochettino has tried to get you to embrace, like, look, we're going to press more, we're going to be more aggressive, we're going to get bodies forward, and say, eight of the ten outfield players are doing that, you're still in a lot of trouble, because you have two people who are sort of like, yeah, whatever, it's not really going to come off. And from kickoff, Llorente is charging forward, he's trying to cut off an angle, Spurs basically force Ajax long in a way that yeah. they had not in the first half. Then they and force
0: Onano into a sort of a bad clearance. Yep, they, yeah.
1: And they win the ball back, they end up getting a throw in relatively deep in Ajax territory, and that's the first minute of the second Isn't half. Isn't that
0: stuff key? I, like, I know this from our experience, that if you give a tactical talk at halftime, mm-hmm. if you then See that thing executed within the first 10 seconds? Yep. Everybody's like, oh, the plan works. Let's do the plan. Yeah. And so, I mean,
1: <laughs> it's 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 right there. It's the pressing ends up forcing Tottenham, or excuse me, Ajax into giving the ball away. And then it's the one where, like, I think a minute later, there's a ball into Urente that he brings down and then he does the little, like, scoop pass where he tries to lift it over the top. And it's a really good ball. It ends up getting cut out for a corner for Tottenham. Yes. And so right there in the first two minutes see, of the second Llorente's half, genius, right? you see, like, oh, things are very different. Maybe some more aggressiveness and Fernando Yerente are going to make a big difference, mm-hmm. and they definitely do. And
0: his, the funny thing I want to say about Yerente before we move on sure. to Spurs' three goals: um, they really played to his strengths in a way that they didn't in the first half of the first leg, yep. right? Don't ask Yerente to receive the ball and run at people because he can't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't ask Yerente to sort of uh, <laughs> don't ask don't ask Urente to do anything where it's like him with the goal in front of him and he needs to beat a couple people. But ask him to play back to goal and build everything else around that, and he's gold. Yep, I mean, and. and- for the most part, I would agree with that. I mean, there, there was a few headers we weren't sure what. Oh he yeah, asking to for. attack a header on a corner kick, <laughs> and he's going to put it over the bar. He <laughs> it, is. He it did, did it at least three it, times it, in this it game. Did feel that way a He landed bit, didn't it, 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 it on the roof of the net a lot. And he's much better with mm-hmm. his hips than with his head. But
1: I think, I like even, and I, I promise this isn't just. I don't think this is just revisionist history. But in those first couple That's minutes of the Redwell second podcast. half. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but in this case, uh, this is total soccer show. But I don't think I'm being revisionist here. When I, w- I saw those opening moments, and I thought like this is different. Mm-hmm. This is much more aggressive from Tottenham, and it looks much better. And by contrast, Ajax looked much much worse. They were not nearly as aggressive in their press. Uh, the commentators kept putting that on Casper Dolberg, but I think it was sort of comp- it was from the backline all the way through that in ways that they had almost suffocated Tottenham in the first half. I do think Tottenham being a bit more aggressive, sending numbers forward, made that harder for Ajax yeah. but they definitely backed off a little bit more and then that increased throughout the second half so by the end they're just backing
0: off they're the just thing, dropping numbers behind the ball. here's the problem I see with Ajax is mm-hmm. they were backing off um, but it was always in a scrambling kind of way they yeah. never said 100% okay we're three goals to the good all we've got to do is see this out mm-hmm. maybe we don't play this 4-3-3 where we try and press maybe we're conservative for 45 minutes. Maybe we play like a Mm -hmm. 4-5-1 or or even more defensive. Maybe we don't pressure beyond the halfway line. They probably would have seen this game out, right, Um, if they'd taken that approach. And I think a huge part of the problem is that they kept going for it. It's it's sort of live by the sword, die by the sword, right? Everyone loves this Ajax team because they're so gung-ho and they go at Juventus and Real Madrid and uh, they don't care who they're playing, they just go at them. And I think in the end, that's what did them in. And here's my huge evidence for this. Mm-hmm. The um, the first goal that Lucas Mora scores in the, what, 54th minute, I believe this is the the thing where Ajax have a free kick yep. and they send both centre-backs forward yep. to attack it in the 54th minute of a game you're already winning 3-0. I know this is my personal sort of um, bugbear I have with professional teams. I don't think you need to send your both your centre-backs forward when you're 3-0-er. I, Settle down, Ajax.
1: I... Don't always agree with you on that one. I I think there are reasons to do it in certain occasions. This time, I 100% agree. Mm -hmm. And it's not, again, not just because it ends up being a Tottenham goal, but it's because what Matthias De clearly is for that Ajax defense. He organizes everything. He is yelling. He is telling people where to go, what to do, when to do it. Even in this free kick, he kind of holds off going forward and finally gets the attention of Frankie de Jong and has Frankie de Jong drop in. Yes. Then De goes forward. Yeah. And... So, on the one hand, you could say, like, oh... So
0: what's daily Blint doing up there?
1: That's a great Little question daily as well. Blint,
0: what are you doing up there?
1: But, so, on the one hand, you could say, like, okay, but that's the league. Like, he is organizing. He kept somebody back. But, in reality, it's then people who aren't, like, your best defenders who are trying to put out a fire as yep. it's, like, developing really quickly and don't quite have the tools to do so.
0: I actually have the names. When this, this goal, this more mm-hmm. goal eventually happens, um, it is De Jong, who is mm-hmm. a decent defender, Masrawi. And Shona, mm-hmm. not bad defenders, but not your best defenders, not your elite the elite defenders Mm-mm.
1: but like before we even get to that i I heard it Daryl's laughing so hard at his puns, oh my goodness, gracious uh it it for me though it's like. Again, you have this free kick for Ajax. It's an mm-hmm. Ajax attacking opportunity. Ball played in, and Deleek kind of wins it. Like it's, I think he and Danny Rose both go for it at the same time, yeah, yeah. and it's it loose. loose right? And it's Son, Son working so yes. hard off the ball to kind of like chase down this this loose chance. That I think in the first half he's not doing that. He was fairly quiet in the first half, and I think Ajax are able to kind of collect that at the top of the box, move it around, and now once again they've reestablished dominance near the top of the box. In this case, Son chases it down it kind of spills out wide eventually Danny Rose is there and then I think you see sort of damage control deletes comes flying out as does Daly Blunt they both try to make a play Danny Rose to his credit very calm just has a little boop pass Meg's uh Meg's deletes but now this is the problem with pressing like that is that you've taken your two best defenders very much out of the equation Mm -hmm. because they've both been beaten by that one little pass from Danny Rose both
0: on the right wing yep they're both on the right wing it's not great Yeah. yeah and then what Danny Rose hits a really nice ball I think a nice ish ball into mm-hmm. midfield. For Lucas Moura. For Lucas yeah. Moura. And maybe Taliafico would have got there, but Lucas Moura, we've seen him do this against Man City as well. He is very good mm-hmm. at being first to the ball, getting a foot to it, and then taking it in stride and advancing. And yep. suddenly, if you're defending, you're in all kinds of trouble, and double that if both your centre-backs are up on the right wing.
1: Yep. Yeah, because, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's this long ball into Lucas Moura, Taliafico tries to make the play, and I do think this is also where Ajax... Sort of start to drop off a little bit more and aren't, aren't quite as live by the sword die by the sword uh, as they had been because they get beaten for being that aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah, Talifico tries to make a play, but Lucas Mora is there. He plays in Deli Ali, then it's an over pursuit. Deli Ali does the kind of the chop cutback, I think for a big himself, cuts for himself. Yeah, yeah. but Lucas Mora is there to kind of take it off, drive through, passes it into it's the very net. Very
0: selfish, but it's hundred percent the correct decision. But
1: but it's like a series of over commitments. It, it is definitely, but it's a series of over commitments from Ajax that just keep opening up. Pockets. Mm-hmm of space and opportunities and Spurs exploit that and suddenly there's belief there because Spurs have pulled one back very early in the second half. Nine
0: minutes after the big change. You're talking about like believing in in the plan. You get Mm -hmm. a goal after nine minutes you're sort of, oh yeah, we can do this again. A few minutes later they get another one. And even right before that there
1: was the Deli Ali chance at like the far post he shoots it Onana has a big save but again right there you start to see like ooh, suddenly... Like Tottenham are holding the ball and then playing it wide to an advancing runner who's now wide open and getting shots or getting crosses mm-hmm. off. Things are changing, <laughs> and then as yeah, you've already said things change dramatically when Lucas Moura gets a second.
0: All right, Tyler, help me out. So mm-hmm. what I remember from this second Lucas Moura goal is in chaos. the 59th minute is the chaos where sort of Onana mm-hmm. makes a save and then a, like a cool backhanded save, but then he gets in a tangle with Shona, Yeah. and then Lucas Moura finds the gap and scores. Mm-hmm. How do we get to that situation? What's the what's the build-up to this goal? I'm genuinely asking. I can't remember. Uh,
1: as as I recall, it's basically I believe. Uh, uh, like Spurs, I think have just possession, but it's it's what we've been talking about, where Spurs start to move the ball a little bit more freely, but less frenetically. And mm. I think that it basically the two switch sides, and it becomes Spurs kind of moving the ball with a lot of confidence, and Ajax starting to be reactive and panicky. And I say that because uh, this one, I think, like Spurs get the ball into the box, it gets partially cleared, and the oh, Ajax yes, line yes, yes. a really aggressively step forward, but. In so doing, don't notice that there are two and three wide open Spurs players, including uh, Kieran Trippier, uh,
0: right on the Kieran right. Trippier. This but is like, what happens. Sissoko
1: is wide open at the top of the box. I believe like Deli Ali has a good amount of space. Uh, you've got uh, Danny Rose is wide open on the left, and so I think this is Ajax just sort of starting to be reactive, mm-hmm. and so they all step but are not aware that Kieran Trippier is wide open can make that run, and it's a diagonal ball played through, and now the not Son, only I think
0: Son gives it to him, right? Yeah, yeah. Not,
1: now not only have they kind of stepped and been aggressive, but not marked a player. But because they haven't marked this wide open player, now the offside line is broken. And so the eye oh, players... Trippier's in behind. Yeah, and yeah. so they're so focused on just getting back into defensive shape as quickly as they can, that they basically are not paying attention to who's where, and that's why Fernando Urente is wide open and onside when this yeah, ball comes so in. Yeah, so Trippier
0: squares it mm-hmm. to urente and what, he gets maybe a... One bite at this, yeah. good save from Onana, not great finishing for you, Again, this isn't his nope. strong suit. He's he's good mm-hmm. at back to goal, holding it up, for I mean, it but
1: what center forward is good at finishing-ish? <laughs> yes, but he... And then it's a credit to Onana, because, yeah, Onana gets a diving save to it. And then I think... Point blank, it's good stuff. And yeah. then he ends up, like, like while he's still saving it, slash kind of getting up, he uses his other hand to knock yeah, it away a little a bit more. save. I've not seen that before. Mm-hmm. It's excellent. It is. What happens next is less excellent. And yeah. you and I watch this a bunch. I'm still not sure where I land, but basically... The ball, because it's kind of a dramatic save off the line, the ball is loose inside the six-yard box, and it's La who I think reacts to it, has the ball, and I think is about to make a play on it, try to get it clear, which I think is what he has to do, but I also understand why Onana feels like, "Oh, I can collect that ball, it's a loose yeah. ball, and that'll settle things down. The problem is that there's really no communication. I don't think there's really time for it, because I think Onana oh, stands it's, up, it's, yeah, sees the ball open, or sees the ball, like in the six-yard box and just tries to, to dive to it. Yeah. Like Shona doesn't really know what's happening. So basically, Onana gets a hand to it, but he gets a hand to it and kind of pulls it into the feet of Shona and that's why, why it stays loose.
0: It pops so, loose and Shona gets tripped over because exactly. it's essentially a tackle, mm-hmm. like a rugby tackle yep. or a football tackle on Shona. Here's what I think you and I were sort of trying to decide whose fault it is. Yep. Is it Onana's fault or is it Shona's fault? I think in the end, It's just a mess, right? It's not like one person is to blame. It's just kind of an unfortunate situation. Yeah, and and,
1: and I think what we kind of landed on is that really, Yorente should have scored because he's wide open. And there are already (laughs) so many Ajax defensive deficiencies there that that should have been a goal. And then everything after that is sort of Ajax getting lucky and lucky and lucky and then unlucky. Because I do think it's a little bit of luck from Lucas Moura the way he's able to get this shot off
0: in the first place. I wouldn't have agreed after first watch. Mm -hmm. um, Second, third, fourth watch. He never really looks up at he just looks down at the ball and makes sure he's got control and yeah. can turn, gets a shot away. Doesn't he nutmeg Frankie de Jong? With the shot. With yeah. the shot, but and there's should, no intention there, right? It's no, just
1: I don't think so. But I should say, it's not necessarily getting the shot off, it's how the shot goes in. Because it is, yeah, it megs Frankie de Jong, it goes on the other side of Matthias de Ligt, who's kind of standing on the line but can't get his body to it. It goes in between de Ligt and the post. Mm-hmm. And so that is definitely fortunate for Lucas Moura, maybe predatory instinct, maybe just knowing where he is. I think just
0: repetition, repetition, repetition of knowing when I receive this ball here, I know the angles of where to strike it, so I can do it literally without looking.
1: True. Yeah. But I think the bigger thing for me is that, but what is definitely intentional and very skillful is that Moura gets this ball with his back to goal and with a lot of Ajax players around him, and he takes... I'd say a good four touches before he gets yeah, that yeah. shot off. He and shakes just, himself loose, right? He just really tightly controls and I think is aware that the Ajax players don't want to overcommit, don't want to barge into him because yeah. it is a chaotic moment that lends itself to making the chaotic play, which lends itself to conceding a penalty. Mm-hmm. So I think he kind of navigates that expertly, takes a few little touches, gets a little bit of separation is then and is then able to kind of turn and get that shot off when I think Ajax players did not expect it to come. Ooh,
0: okay, so 2-2 on the night. Yep. Ajax still lead 3-2 on aggregate. Mm-hmm. Um, Ten Hag... Starts making yeah. some changes, right? The two changes are like they, they come like a few minutes apart, but I think it's, we must talk about them as a piece, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's this is his big change. Lassa Shona is off, mm-hmm. and I think it's really important that Shona comes off because we didn't mention this on the first Lucas yeah. Mora goal. It's, it's
1: Shona who's chasing down Deli Ali, and not. Oh, no, he's he, tracking Lucas Moura, My mistake.
0: Tracking Lucas Mora and trying his very, 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 very best. Yep. He just is not nope. fast enough. Mm-mm. And so I think, so Shona comes out, Velman comes in, Velman goes to right back, and Mazrahi uh, goes to central midfield and essentially replaces Lassa with basically someone who can cover ground faster. Yep. Right? I think that's Tanag's play. It's not a bad idea. I think it's the correct idea.
1: I think it's the correct idea, but I think it still is not enough in the moment because I do think at this point, this is where Ajax's youth, again, maybe this is a cliche, but I'm fine with it. Their youth works against them a little bit because now it's gone from we're coasting into the Champions League final. We've slain all these giants and now here's another one that we're going to kind of put to the sword. But then when you get hit and hit again in very quick succession, how do you respond to that? And you need a person to step up and be that kind of leader. You would expect it to be Daily Blint, I would say. Yeah, Yeah, he's an
0: experienced guy there, I think.
1: It didn't feel like there was anybody who really calm things down, told everybody to settle. I saw Christian Erickson and Deli Ali doing a lot of that for Spurs in the first half of like kicking the ball away on a free kick so it didn't get taken quickly and then turning around and being like, hey,
0: everybody just settle down. What's and Deli Lee is still a young man. He is? But he's he sort is. of an old pro. Yeah? yeah?
1: And, and and I and I do kind of wonder if IX is inexperienced there. They feel those nerves. The crowd is doing everything it can to kind of pick them back up. Mm-hmm. But I think once you've been hit and suddenly it's like, oh no, one more one more does it. And I think you kind of give all the momentum to Tottenham, which they have. Even this change, Tottenham continue to look very threatening, continue to have opportunities. And so it's no surprise to me that seven minutes later, they make another
0: change. Yeah, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. it's Kasper Dolberg, yep. the youngish Danish centre forward, comes off. It's worth noting as well, he was only starting because David Neres, there was um, a late decision on yep. him. Neres wasn't fit to go. Mm-hmm. So Kasper Dolberg gets to start centre forward. Um, Dolberg comes off. Danny Sinkgraven comes on. Mm-hmm. And then Dusan Tadic is moved back to his uh, more. It's not actually his position, but it's been his position this season yeah. as a weird false nine mm-hmm. type guy, right? Yeah. So that's the change. And, and I want to say this works.
1: It does. I feel bad for Casper Dolberg because he essentially is doing the Fernando Llorente role from the first leg, <laughs> like, <laughs> like especially in the second half, they're just kind of pinging balls into him, hoping he can do something with it, and then expecting him to sort of chase chase every loose ball down. Yeah. But because I actually dropping off and dropping off, and now kind of playing from deep, a lot more long balls, a lot more goal kicks taken long. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really have the support. So even when he does, there's a few moments when he does kind of win the ball or hold it up for a second, and then he's got players all over him, yeah. and none of whom are Ajax players. The
0: one time he does it well, he wins that free kick, mm-hmm. but that's when they send the centre-backs forward. You there, you go. See the
1: goal. there you go. So I do <laughs> think Official this,
0: Kasper Dolberg is cursed. Yes.
1: Uh, so I do think <laughs> that this is a smart change from Ajax, and yeah. I think to kind of go back to a little bit more standard uh, mm-hmm. positions for a few of their key players like i It think
0: Gravin look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I hadn't seen him before. I was quite impressed with him. I think he's another uh,
1: Ajax youngster. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I would say, though, that it does come down... Spurs being able to get this final goal, which they do, yep. there are moments leading up to it where, again, I think there's inexperience from Ajax playing a big part. And again, it's veteran players who still look inexperienced to me. It's Dusan Tadic on the short corner. Clearly, they're trying to kill time in the like 80 something minute, yep. and he... Gets the short ball played to him, tries to hold it up, and immediately controls it out of bounds.
0: He does something a bit too freestyly, yeah. loses control, and the ball mm-hmm. pops loose, yeah. right? He also has that wild shot that's um, the other one. Where, after they had where possession. F-
1: Frankie DeYoung, that's in the 93rd minute, I think.
0: Ooh. Where, yeah,
1: it's, it's a great shot from uh, Ziesh, it's saved by Uriz, and then the, like, the follow up shot from Tadej, he kind of cuts inside, shoots wide, and you can see Frankie DeYoung. Before the ball's like really even like totally out of bounds, screaming at him, like,
0: go to the go to the corner flag, go to the corner yeah. flag. What are you doing? And, and Tadich is not a young guy, right? He's like playing the Premier League for Southampton. Yeah. He's been, I think he's around 30, maybe maybe over 30.
1: And it, and it's just like, I know it sounds silly, but like if you had told me at halftime that the two teams just switched jerseys, I would be like, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Because it's also just Tottenham out fighting Ajax for every single ball yeah, yeah, yeah. in these final few minutes that every time it seems like Ajax are about to get the ball clear, there's a, a Tottenham player just gets a foot to it or just gets a block to it or just puts them under enough, enough pressure that instead of being all the way back to the corner flag it's a throw-in at midfield or a throw-in 30 yards from goal or possession conceded cheaply or possession given back to the centre-backs. And it just feels like it really did start to feel like, a, like an inevitable thing, Tottenham finally finding a way well, to get a goal.
0: Eric Ten Hag had one more substitution mm-hmm. that I'm sure made sense to him yep. but absolutely does not pay off. Nope. He brings on mm-hmm. another centre-back. Uh, Lisandro Magallan. Thank you for mm-hmm. looking that up. Um, who does he come on for?
1: Uh, he comes on for Danny van de Beek. Donny van de Beek. he takes out the attacking midfielder, yeah.
0: brings in a centre-back, and mm-hmm. pushes Daley Blint up into sort of defensive midfield, yeah. right? So now it is... Uh, sorry, Lissandra Magallan. Alongside Matthias De Ligt. That's your new He's centre-back pairing. Seen, I'm going to guess it's Magallan. That makes, sense. That makes yeah. sense. I would argue you don't change your centre-back pairing in the final few minutes mm-hmm. of the game because you've got the established relationship, yep. you've got the established rhythm of the game, you know sort of roughly what you're dealing with. Yep and it kind of messes and up and also I believe the, the
1: commentators told us heading into this one that uh, Magaian had played five times for Ajax so it's not even like oh yeah but he and Delict have tons of experience together Daily uh, Daily Blint can definitely play as a holding midfielder so we'll put him up there everybody kind of knows what's being asked of them yeah instead it's kind this of this isn't
0: like when Juve used to sub in Basali and everyone goes oh yeah, yeah it's not Chiellini and uh, Benucci, but you know we all know yeah, it works.
1: Yeah. yeah exactly and so it's Daily Blint again he's still kind of drifting around I think he doesn't quite know what necessarily he's supposed to do mm-hmm. and I think you know, hindsight 2020 and everything, but I feel like the obvious solution here is stand in front of Fernando Llorente and now he's got somebody on his back and somebody in front of him and he can't bring that ball down. Shouldn't he can't this have control
0: been, it. You mentioned this earlier. Shouldn't this have been the solution for the entire second half? Yes. For Ajax? Yes. Do an inf- I, yes. I, I love an in front behind on yeah. throw-ins when we do it. Um, so yeah, you have one guy marking like they were. Like mm-hmm. Usually or Blint is behind Fernando Llorente. Spurs try to play the ball into Fernando Llorente and you know, as we talked about before, you can't get around him, so you're almost conceding that he's going to at least get a touch and try and lay it off. But yeah, if you have someone just stand on his toes or two yards ahead of him, you block off that ball coming in. Yeah, and and you also
1: give. The you person, sacrifice a
0: player, but it it
1: works. You sacrifice a player, but you also give peace of mind to your other players because yeah. in the 96th minute when Lucas Morris scores his third, the game winner, it is. I do love that it's like Spurs are kind. They get one more chance. I and. It was like, ooh, like they're going to try to move it around. And Sissoko was just like, no, and bangs it long for Urente, And it's a uh, great
0: decision-making from Sissoko yeah. all second half that puts Victor Wijnaldum mm-hmm. to shame. Like, his passes were connecting, He was taking people on occasionally mm-hmm. and opening up some space. And then this decision to just bang it forward, yeah. but... Into Yurente was it? It was aimed right. Yep. It was like kind of like a nine iron type mm-hmm. thing. It was the perfect decision from uh, from Sissoko. It definitely is because he's
1: got uh, Matthias Delix on his back, and I think Delix is so nervous about getting beaten. He doesn't want to like let Urente bring it down calmly and lay it off, anything like that. So Delix is desperate to make a play on the ball. If daily if daily Blint is standing in front of Yurente you don't have that level of desperation because mm-hmm. there's someone there to front it it makes it that much harder at best jurente is probably going to pop it up in the air for a header but because delique tries to make a play we watched this a whole bunch of times cuz we thought what a great outside of the foot layoff from jurente <laughs> nope yeah. it comes off of delique
0: there's a great outside of the foot layoff from it was De it's almost like um you know, I can say Game of Thrones or other fantasy stuff. Mm-hmm. You have a prophecy, and someone tries to stop the prophecy from happening, and in so doing, fulfills the prophecy. Yep. I think there was the prophecy of the Fernando Urente layoff for the Spurs game winner, and Delete tried to stop that happening, and he made it happen. Yeah, I mean, he, he did. But
1: then it's also like it's not just it's like at the same moment that he is being overly aggressive in trying to make some sort of a play on the ball, he still has teammates around him like Magayan who's subbed on, who's dropping off a little bit. And so when that ball then goes off to leaked and to Deli Ali, Magayan is suddenly in the wrong place. He tries to close that gap and he slips because he is not being aggressive in stepping out either. So again you have Ajax of two minds in that moment and that's where they get punished because now Deli Ali is able to control play it in for Lucas Mora and it's a great calm finish from Lucas Mora.
0: I can't prove this mm-hmm. because you can't prove a counterfactual uh-huh. But if Daily Blint had just stayed alongside Delith yep. instead of bringing Magyan in, I don't think Daily Blint falls over. I think there's an element to of having re- only recently entered the game yep. that plays a role in McGayan slipping, I agree. falling over mm-hmm. and essentially costing Ajax the game. Yeah. I mean, right?
1: lots of other parts to it, but yes, that's a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. And I think you're absolutely right. And if nothing else, you put McGayan there, as, as the kind of roaming around win everything in the air and you let Daley Blunt stay where he was that makes sense to me too nice. but,
0: they should have been front behind with Delete and uh, and Yeah, that yes. would have
1: made plenty of sense to me but instead that's not what they go for which Tottenham fans will be more than happy to take advantage oh. of and they were and so and what, too Lucas Moura
0: oh does De have a nice little uh, yep. nice little outside of the foot pass to get Lucas Moura through he sure and does. then Lucas Moura's rough. he makes a fast decision to just go that low corner again yep. right mm-hmm. very good at the low finish Lucas Moura
1: very good at the yeah. low finish and just a, an amazing amazing Second half display from Tottenham. Like, I cannot stress that the first half is exactly what I thought Tottenham were going to be. Yeah. Sort of slow, sort of dispirited, not quite performing together. And again, I do not know what Mauricio Pochettino said at halftime to get that belief back. I don't know if maybe. Aim the ball at Fernando Llorente. Maybe that was it. <laughs> and also, Victor Wenyam was gone, and there was a silent series of fist pumps around the room. Oh, but I'm sure whatever very it was, popular in the dressing room. that team came out. It was it was a night and day difference, yeah, yeah. and that difference for Tottenham, I think Ajax really lost all the momentum and just started to panic and back off, and Tottenham were able to benefit.
0: So, unless you have anything else, sort of, uh, any other analysis of this game, it's worth noting that the Champions League final mm-hmm. in Madrid, it's at Atletico Stadium, right? This year, June first is going to be. Liverpool versus Spurs. Who would have guessed that at the start of the season? Not many people. <laughs> no. Liverpool back to back. Who would have guessed that when Spurs
1: were almost knocked out in the group stage? Yeah. they get that result against Barcelona. They're able to go through. I mean <sighs> it's it's been a crazy it's been a crazy couple of days for the Champions League. It
0: certainly has been. And then tomorrow, mm-hmm. Thursday, um, it's worth keeping an eye on the Europa League. We could end up with an Arsenal Chelsea Europa League final.
1: Remember all those think pieces years ago about how like our English clubs struggling to compete in Europe and does the Premier yeah, League yeah. need to be better and. Yeah, and now we potentially have... Now that we've said that, though, they're both going to lose dramatically and then there will be no English clubs in the Europa League and then we'll have the old narrative of should English clubs be taking the Europa League more seriously. And
0: we'll do these calculations later, but if it is that Arsenal-Chelsea-Europa League final and it is a it definitely is a Spurs-Liverpool Champions League final, that thing with like the fifth Champions League spot that and is... who misses out, it's going to get slightly complicated. Yeah. We'll have to do a whole show explaining that.
1: Because, yeah, so say Chelsea... Oh, you're going to try it now? You're a brave man. I mean, I don't know how this would work exactly, but it's basically... if. Chelsea and Arsenal got past Tottenham, so regular season ended with Tottenham finished fifth. Yeah. But then Chelsea won Europa League, I believe, uh-huh. and Tottenham won the Champions League. That bumps out Arsenal, I think. I'm not
0: willing to commit to anything without doing some research. All right. Well, I guess <laughs> you, we'll have to see. you can have five teams from any mm-hmm. one nation in the Champions League if one of them has just won. Yeah. The Champions League or the Europa League. Yeah. You can't have six. So essentially if ah, it's period. if it's two teams that finish outside the top six mm-hmm. that win the Champions League and the Europa League, right? Mm-hmm. Say Arsenal and Spurs win, but they finish fifth and sixth. Yeah. Um which I don't think it happened because Man United can't get in there, right? I don't think um, so. So someone's missing out as well. Yeah, so. someone's missing out. We'll put it that way. It's Man United, right? Oh, Man it's United, Man United out. So yeah. maybe just the top five all all get to go. That, yeah, that could very well happen. This is why we should have researched this before having yeah, this. Whatever. Who cares? Okay, well we're much better informed about hair uh-huh. loss products than we are about the uh, Champions League places in England. Mm-hmm. I think I got it though. Oh no, you ready? No, I'm not. But
1: go for it. All right. I think if if Spurs finished like third. Or fourth, basically, it's if Arsenal finished or if Chelsea finished ahead of Arsenal. Arsenal win Europa League, Spurs win the Champions League. I think that necessitates uh, Arsenal getting in, much to the chagrin of, of Chelsea. But either way, it doesn't really matter because we'll know what happens when both of those games are played.
0: Yes, we will. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, but thanks for playing. My pleasure. <laughs> on to today's sponsor, Hims. Hims uh, is a wellness brand for men that we very much appreciate and are aware that some of the players on the field, as we've said previously, but we'll say again, some of the players on the field tonight could have used their services. I mean,
0: one of them got a hat trick. Um, <laughs> 66% of men, including Lucas Moura, start to lose their hair by age 35. Mm-hmm. Once you've noticed thinning hair, it can be too late. So if that hairline is slowly moving backwards, then maybe you should look into Hims. It's a one-stop shop for hair loss. Also, skincare and sexual wellness for men. Mm-hmm. Because
1: remember, the best way to prevent hair loss is by doing something about it. That makes sense <laughs> while you still can. That also makes sense while you still have hair For a third time, that makes sense.
0: But when you decide to do something about it, don't go to a gas station and buy those weird things.
1: That would be a very weird, like, logical decision-making of, like, I need to do something about my hair loss. Go to the gas station.
0: That doesn't quite follow. But I think the thing is that you're pumping gas and maybe you just see some weird, like, hair Uh loss quote unquote solution yeah. and you're like oh I'm sure that will work mm-hmm. don't get tempted into that go with something that is medically proven something like Hims.
1: I would even argue that Hims is easier than going to the gas station because you don't have to go anywhere you can do it from your phone from your iPad from your computer yes. it's basically they connect you with uh, real doctors uh, online it saves you hours and it's completely confidential and discreet so you don't even have to have the, the gas station clerk looking at you like yeah I guess you do need this you don't even have to worry about that it's all online answer a few quick questions
0: Gas station clerk.
1: There we go. Answer a few quick questions. A doctor will review, and if they determine it's right for you, can prescribe you medication to treat hair loss that is shipped directly to your door.
0: So, if you want to order now, listeners can get started with the Hims Complete Hair Kit for just five dollars today, right now. While supplies last and subject to the doctor's approval, see the website for full details and safety information. This could cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy somewhere else. It would cost about $3 if you went to the gas station one, but it definitely won't work.
1: So thank you very <laughs> much to HIMS for sponsoring today's episode of the Total Soccer Show. One more time, go to forhims.com slash total soccer. That's F O R H I M S dot com slash total soccer. Forhims.com slash. Total soccer. You did it three times. There we go. Boy, Beetlejuice. Congratulations. Four hymns will show up if you say it three times. (laughs) Uh, Congratulations to Tottenham. I'm sure their fans will still be celebrating uh, and rewatching that one over and over and over again. Maybe there'll be a DVD. Maybe there'll be a DVD. There probably will be. But. If you it would are, be on Amazon
0: Prime now, wouldn't
1: it? Yeah, but in, if instead of maybe rewatching those goals over and over and over again, you want to instead hear about some uh, exciting up-and-comers, including some Americans, that yeah. you could listen to us talk about the Scouting Network. And the good news is,
0: that's happening right now. It is. All right. The first report we have today is mm-hmm. from Michael Bates. He's scouting Tiana Davidson, the 20-year-old American centre-back for the Chicago Red Stars. Michael says, Tiana, De- Tiana Davidson is heading to the World Cup. After, Tiana. After coming back from an injury, Davidson has played the full 90 in all three of the Red Stars games. She was then included in GLS' World Cup squad, And will be heading to France. Uh, But it's still uncertain if she received a briefcase full of fake cash and jersey like the rest of the U.S. women's national team stars. Have you seen this? I have not. So um, Hulu Uh are trying to promote the idea that they have live sports. I don't fully understand how they have live sports. Um, And essentially they've been doing a sort of postmodern advertising campaign where um, U.S. national team players. I can't remember which national team player I Mm -hmm. saw. But they're sort of like opening a briefcase full of cash of like Hulu dollars and being yeah. told to say Hulu has life sports. It's almost like a postmodern app. Is this the yeah. thing where
1: Hulu kind of uh, leaked some of the players that were going to be on the roster because some of those players yes. were in there? There we yep. go. All right, yep. good yep. stuff, Hulu. <laughs> uh, and good stuff, Junior Davidson and uh-huh. Michael Byte. Uh, Dan- Daniel Landau.
0: <laughs> Hulu has roster spoilers. <laughs> there we go.
1: Daniel Landau scouting Giovanni Reina, 17-year-old American attacker. After a long winter with only transfer speculation to report, Reyna put on the number 10 shirt for the USMNT U-17s uh, and captained his side to a 3-2 comeback win against Canada's U-17s. With the team down 2-0 in the second half, Reyna floated across into the back post, where Gianluca Busio expertly finessed the ball into the back of the net.
0: I've seen this goal, and finest is the exact, exact right word.
1: Exact right word, finessed, well done Gianluca. And then in the 69th minute, with the game tied at 2-2, Reyna executed a training ground set piece by curling a free kick into the side netting to score what would be the game winner. Not a bad day for young Reyna.
0: The interior side
1: netting. I, it's, I was confused by that one yeah. as well. Yes, I believe so. And I, Otherwise very thing, bad officiating. Another
0: exciting thing happened uh, during this game. Mm-hmm. Um, BVB, mm-hmm. BVB, Borussia Dortmund, tweeted essentially... Our guy Reina with the goal. That transfer is not official, right? So they kind of sneakily announced that Reina's going to be a Dortmund player as soon as he turns 18. They, they get yeah. rid
1: of Pulisic they bring in another American
0: <laughs> next up in the young Americans mm-hmm. uh, list Ira Jersey is scouting Ricardo Pepe the 16 year old American forward for North Texas SC um, Ira says Ricardo went 90 in the first and third group stage wins in the U17 championship this mm-hmm. is for the men's national team again which doubles as World Cup qualifying although he did not get on the score sheet he did keep back lines busy pulled a centre back out of position allowing the aforementioned Gio Reyna to shoot the game winner in the 3-2 opening match against Canada Pepe wasn't exactly absent, but he seemed not to click with some teammates. Mm-hmm. There's also been a substitution in the scouting ranks here. Ira Jersey has emailed us. He's no longer scouting Ricardo Pepe. Uh, Tim Catcher, mm-hmm. our friend. Remember he played... Uh, I with mean, us back in the day, we'll see if he starts before, sending scouting reports before he left town. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, Tim, please get on those Ricardo Pepe scouting reports for if us. If you want
1: friendship status to remain, uh, <laughs> Arthur Halliday scouting Kobe Hernandez Foster, sixteen-year-old American defender for the LA Galaxy, also with the U17s. He was a standout performer in the US U17s' first two games of the U17 Championships, Concacaf Championships. Uh, he played slightly out of position as a left-sided center back, which Travis Clark said he probably would uh, against Canada in the first game. KHF hit the <laughs> sweetest volley you've ever seen from outside the box off of. This
0: is why it really is a good valley.
1: Is it the sweetest volley you've ever seen,
0: though? No, but it's good. Correct. The Ruben, answer. Is, Ruben Neves is the owner of the sweetest volley I've ever seen. The answer is Paul Skals. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, it hit a defender. Weird how we both chose someone from the team we support. Yeah, odd. Uh,
1: unfortunately, it hit a defender before it could break through the net and fell to Axel, uh, Axel Alejandre uh, for an easy goal in the second game against Barbados. Uh, he started the scoring with a curling left-footed free kick from the right side of the box. Worth noting, Travis and I are going to be talking U17s this week on Top Drawer Soccer Show.
0: Ooh, lovely. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also I like Arthur's uh, suggestion that, that ball would have broken the back of the net. Almost certainly. <laughs> Greyhead Gaming is scouting Indiana Vasilev, the 18-year-old American midfielder for Aston Villa. That feels like a fake name. Indiana started, his real Junior, started his fourth consecutive Premier League 2 Division 2 game as Villa lost 2-0 to Southampton in the semi-final of the promotion playoffs to Premier League 2 Division 1. Confusing. With rumours of a youth clear out from Aston Villa in the summer, Mr. Greyhair is curious where that puts Indiana in the
1: overall hierarchy. I mean, first of all, his name is Junior, as Daryl said. Second of all, they called the dog Indiana. Uh, <laughs> Willie Reed scouting Jesus Vallejo, 22-year-old Spanish defender for Real Madrid. I've heard but- of him. Vallejo, yeah, got his first ever Real Madrid goal in a win over Villarreal. It came on a corner and was the result of absolutely horrendous defending from Villarreal. <laughs> but a goal is a goal. A goal is a goal. Questions remain about Vallejo's ability to remain healthy for an entire season, uh, and there are rumors that he could be loaned or sold outright next summer. Uh, so Willie is hoping that maybe he finds a little bit of stability, a little bit of health and his able to stay with Real Madrid long term
0: Todd Ito is scouting Takafusa Kubo the 17 year old Japanese attacker for FC Tokyo Todd says the Japanese FA named the 21 player roster for the 2019 FIFA U20 World Cup and it was missing a name that many including your humble messenger expected to see we are, of course, talking about Takafusa Kubo. Mm-hmm. The word on the street, a.k.a. a Fox Sports Asia article, Todd Red, is that this is because Kubo is expected to be called up to the Japanese senior team. Is that the over 65s? <laughs> <laughs> the full Japanese team that will play in the 2019 Copa America mm-hmm. starting in June in Brazil. Will we finally get the chance to see Japanese Messi versus Argentine Messi? The mind
1: boggles. I feel like you could say Japanese Messi versus Messi. That would have been <laughs> fine. I feel like original Messi gets to be original Messi. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, James McRae scouting Rai Hiraka Kawa, 19-year-old Japanese midfielder for FC Tokyo. Ooh, all right. Rai also did not make Japan's squad for the U-20 World Cup, although not for the same reasons as Kubo. The reasons for this are unclear, but definitely don't relate to injuries since he played for the Tokyo U-23s this past weekend.
0: Man, Japan must have some deep talent if Mm -hmm. they're leaving these guys out. These are the guys we know from Japan's youth ranks. They must have... Whole other, uh, maybe those kids that played in that game um, against yeah. uh, the 33 car, kids or however many it was. Yeah. yeah, maybe some of them came through. It
1: could be. Maybe it's just that they know that we know about them and they don't want anyone else to uh, know about them, so they're pulling them out.
0: Yeah, they're trying to ruin the scouting reports. Yeah. <laughs> over analysis. Jolene Gilly is scouting Matt Bonswell, the 16 year old English left back for RB Leipzig. He's following the Jaden Sancho route. Um, Matt Bonswell was subbed on in the 54th minute of the U17 29 euros group stage game versus France. Um, he was then nutmegged at the top of the box. <laughs> Uh, by the shot that set up France's equalising goal in the 79th minute better look next time Matt Bonswell
1: it could be worse you could be Ricardo Kishna Victor Savage scouting Ricardo Kishna final report of the day Uh, Kishna is the 24 24 year old Dutch winger for Lazio Kishna did not make a single appearance while on loan at ADO Den Haag he was thrice on the bench and had 32 minutes in a U21 game but now that he's returning to parent club Lazio it looks unlikely he will be contending for minutes there Kishna has now played in only 62 senior matches in his career and will have to fight his way back into playing time in the final year of of his contract in Rome.
0: Oh, this feels like a story that's coming towards an end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ricardo Krishna. Yes. We hope for the best.
1: USL beckons. <laughs>
0: <laughs> USL Championship or League One? Or League Two? Uh, probably League 2. Why not? League 2 no, where okay. he's being I'm un- unpaid? Uh, I'm kidding. He's actually too old. He's over 23. There you go. Uh, all right. If, uh, thank you to everybody for the scouting that episode, reports. Too old. Uh, thanks over for the scouting reports. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to join the, the Scout Network or if you'd just like to support the show, the URL is totalsuckershow.com slash join. One of the options is silent scout where essentially you just financially support the show. You don't have to do any scouting. If you're waiting on your scout, if you've subscribed and you're waiting on your scout, please email me, Darryl, daryl, at totalsockershow.com. Let me know you're waiting. I will get your scout to you. I've, I've had a couple of emails this week. I just want to let you know I have received those emails and will be assigning scouts to those people. Here we are. Oh, all right. Is got it all? Is that you all right? talking? Yeah, Did you get a breath? Just needed a breath. Just needed a breath. Could, you, can... could you explain the Premier League uh, Champions League setup again to me?
1: The Premier League Champions League? No. Yeah. Uh-uh. The spots? No? Uh-uh. All right. Get out
0: of here. <laughs> I will just say You know then, what I can't explain to you? What? Is that Fernando Rente is the savior we deserve. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Right back at you, buddy. Listeners, thank you for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow with a listener question special. Mm-hmm.